Welcome everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource. Joining me is Chris Shaber, CEO of Sologenics. Hello, Chris. Hey, Jeff. Uh, thanks for having me today. Well, thanks for being here. So, for those that aren't familiar with Sologenics, can you just give us a quick overview of the company? Sure. Sologenics is a late-stage biopharmaceutical company focused on developing and commercializing prostate rare diseases where there's an unmet medical need. And I think what's unique about our company is we have two areas of focus. We have a what we call a specialized biotherapeutics business segment focused on oncology and inflammation and a separate public health solutions business segment funded entirely by the U.S. government that develops vaccines and therapeutics for civilian and military applications, including a very early heat-stable COVID-19 vaccine. Very interesting. So, so there's two different areas. Uh, let's take the first area. How big of an addressable market is that? Uh, with the first area, Specialized Biotherapeutics, we have a number of programs in that business segment. Uh, our lead program is a uh, product called Synthetic Hypericin. The trade name is Hybrite, H-Y-B-R-Y-T-E. This uh, particular program, we've already completed a successful Phase three study, and we'll be filing a new drug application with the FDA in the second half of this year. And this is an orphan disease, an area of unmet medical need, and the global market potential is roughly about $250 million. And uh, what we view in the U.S. is the market potential around uh, $90 million in peak annual net sales. Okay. Very good. And, and how about the, the government uh, business? How, how big is that? Uh, that has multiple programs. We have a, a number of heat-stable vaccines there. Uh, in addition to that COVID-19 vaccine I spoke of, we have a ricin-toxin vaccine, a biodefense application, where we've uh, received some significant government funding uh, in excess of, of $30 million to date. Uh, we also have a, what we call a filovirus vaccines uh, uh, approach or platform that looks at Ebola and Marburg. Some of those next generation or, or next concerning pandemic uh, diseases that's been talked about that would potentially uh, would be on a list to follow COVID that the government would like to address. So we're trying to uh, you know, really cast a wide net uh, given the technology we have. And the important component here is the heat-stable component, right? Because we have data that now shows that we can take our vaccines, freeze-dry them, uh, and then store them outside the refrigerator for a long time. We have data in excess of one year at over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. And then you reconstitute the freeze-dried powder with sterile water and uh, shake it. It goes into solution very, <clears throat> very easily. And it's 100% active, zero degradation. So this really uh, allows us to, have to really bypass the cold chain distribution concerns that many vaccines have, including the COVID-19 vaccines, which you may have read like the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna, that require a level of freezing uh, so distribution much more uh, 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 difficult, uh, especially going outside the U.S. to developing worlds, as an example. So we think we have a solution here uh, with broad capability, and this is something that we received some significant monies for from the government. And as a small business, it really allows us to 
not only build out a more robust pipeline in the government's funding programs, but it really allows us to manage our cash burn very effectively, bringing in that non-dilutive funding, not have to go out to the market as frequently. And uh, it's really allowed us to uh, really build out a nice, robust pipeline across those two segments of the business. Right, so if the government funds it, are they the sole customer if you develop something, or are you free to sell it to other countries? We are free to sell to other countries. Uh, obviously, we need to make sure we're, we're, we're satisfying their requirements first in the U.S., uh, but uh, we have, uh, we have uh, the, the, the access, rights, capability to sell it worldwide. Okay. And then you mentioned COVID. Are you competing with Moderna and, and, and Pfizer on that? Uh, no, no. I th- we're, we're, we're obviously, uh, you know, are a little bit later to the game, right? So yeah. what we were looking at here was just another validation of our vaccine platform, and this was a nice validation. Also, what we had seen at the time was, as we're seeing now t- today, is the need for continual boosters, right? There's going to be variants. This has the potential to be like a annual flu shot. So is there the potential to have another vaccine that could provide booster to the existing vaccines folks have gotten uh, and uh, even go outside the U.S. to developing worlds where some some people have not received vaccines yet and be able to provide vaccines there? We we have an approach that... uh, that, again, being heat-stable is, is cheaper to transport. The type of vaccine we have is, is cheaper to manufacture, potentially. So it provides a little bit more broad capability for the world population. Uh, but we're kind of thinking it as, uh, as booster shots and, and, uh, and for ongoing treatments. And as long as the government will fund it, which they're currently funding about $1.5 million for some of our early non-human primate studies. Uh, as long as they'll fund it, we'll continue to do that and, and move forward like we do with all of our public health programs. And, and so if things go through trial okay, if, if you need to take a booster and you took Moderna before, you won't have to take Moderna? To no, no, like you're... Right, like you're kind of seeing now with uh, with some of the vaccines uh, and boosters, uh, you can take another vaccine booster. Uh, there will need to be some studies done, not necessarily booster studies in particular, but there will be need need to be some clinical work done, and we're not quite there yet. But there is that capability to use multiple vaccines for boosters in the future, I believe. Okay, and then you mentioned Hybrid. Is um, is near ready to go uh, for NDA? C- correct. I, I mean, the the nice thing with Hybrid is, as you know, uh, drug development. There's there's always risk in drug development, uh, and having already have a positive phase three study where we're now preparing an NDA has really de-risked that program, in my opinion, quite a bit. So we're preparing that new drug application to file later this year in the second half. And uh, as I noted, it is orphaned, it is fast-track, it's treating a disease called cutaneous T-cell lymphoma, which is a rare class of non-Hodgkin lymphoma, in which these malignant T-cells migrate to the skin surface to form patches or lesions. A lot like psoriasis, uh, the only difference is these are malignant cells on the skin. So we have a therapy that we treat with a topical agent, our Hybrite, which is uh, synthetic hypericin, and then we activate our drug with safe, visible fluorescent light, like you probably have above you in your office there, to uh, treat, shrink uh, uh, these lesions on the skin. And uh, 
The data has been very positive from the phase three, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, submitting that NDA a little bit later this year, as I noted, and to have approval sometime uh, next year, probably in the second half of next year. Could be a, a little bit sooner, uh, but uh, based on the priority view, but we're saying publicly uh, the, the second half of 2023, and there we'll be looking to launch that product ourselves in the U.S., as well, because it is an orphan disease, highly specialized uh, uh, clinicians focusing on this particular disease. It's really tailor-made for a small company like Sologenics to commercialize, and we're doing a, a lot of that work in the background while we're preparing the NDA to really position ourselves uh, for a launch at the end of 2023. And then you have that drug 100%, or, or did you partner that? No, we have this drug currently 100%. Uh, we are uh, looking to partner XUS uh, currently, and uh, those discussions continue. But as you would imagine, for a small company, uh, our, our laser focus is preparing the NDA in a high-quality manner and submitting it, right? So that's, uh, that's what we're, we're focused on right now, and we want to make sure that we get that done first and foremost before being distracted with other things uh, outside of our current pipeline. Makes sense. And is that a, a platform where you'll be going for other indications or other types of skin cancer? No, that, that's a great question. It, it, you know, beyond it, it could be other skin cancers, but beyond that, we've generated with the same active ingredient in Hybrite, that synthetic hyperacin I spoke of, we had done a number of years back a small phase 1-2 pilot study in mild to moderate psoriasis. And uh, same thing, the drug with the light treatment, and show that we have an impact uh, on psoriasis as well. So one thing we're looking to do with this, with this molecule is initiate a phase two study in the second half of, of this year as well in psoriasis with that product. We're calling it research name SGX302, but it is the same active ingredient hybrid. And if all goes according to plan, we will have the data in that study sometime in, in uh, the second half of 2023 as well. So we are looking to, after the validation of the, of the drug in cutaneous T-cell lymphoma or CTCL, really move into other disease indications like a mild to moderate psoriasis. Anything else in the pipeline that's far along? Uh, those are probably the two key areas. We do have a separate molecule, an oral beclomethazone dipropionate uh, for pediatric Crohn's disease, another orphan disease. We have a phase three study cleared through the FDA, but we really are holding that study looking for additional funding, namely to partnerships. So that is another later stage program uh, that we have uh, that uh, we're actively interacting with and identifying, looking to identify partners, but uh, our focus remains that that Hybrite uh, and the SGX302 for psoriasis, as you would imagine, between those two, especially preparing an NDA, quite a bit of activity and work there. But as we noted, we also have the business development in the background and the public health solutions with a number of programs there that really, uh, really allow us to generate some very good data over the course of 2022 into 2023. And I outline, I, I outline this in our corporate presentation. Uh, I have a slide that's directly focused on multiple potential value drivers where I break it down by year and half 
so people can get a sense of the news flow potential and the activity and, and milestones we, we plan on, on uh, executing uh, over the next uh, one and a half years. And then the studies that you did uh, for Highbright, how, big of, uh, how large of studies are they and, and where were they done? Were they done in the U.S.? It was a U.S. and an orphan disease. It was a, a, a single pivotal study in which we did roughly about 166 patients uh, looking at uh, different durations of treatment of Hybrid. As you would imagine, with the topical therapy and light activation, the longer you treat, the better your response, right? And what we were able to show is after just six weeks of treatment where we gave our drug and light therapy twice a week for six weeks, we generated a statistically significant response in our primary endpoint. So very rapid response and onset of action for this drug. And then we allowed the drug to continue to treat, patients to continue to receive the drug and be treated for another six weeks after that. So after 12 weeks, that response rate continued to increase, the statistical significance becoming even stronger. Uh, and then we had a third cycle, another six weeks, that we allowed uh, patients to continue, and that uh, continued to get treated. And again, that response continued to increase, and the p-values, uh, the statistics, continued to become that much more overwhelmingly positive. So it's really an overall nice data set. And the most important thing, in addition to that efficacy, is the safety here, right? Because it's a chronic cancer. So we were able to show that the safety of the drug, the light therapy, fluorescent light, very safe, well-tolerated, and really a much better safety profile than you would see for other drugs being used off-label in CTCL or as uh, later stage or second-line therapies that are typically have a more caustic side effect profile. The nice thing with Hybrate is there's currently no approved first-line or front-line treatment for cutaneous T-cell lymphoma. So we have the potential to be the first first-line treatment in treating CTCL. Uh, which uh, there is obviously a, a, a need here for this patient population. Any write-ups in major journals yet? We do have uh, our phase three study. Uh, we're expecting, hopefully, uh, within the next uh, several weeks to hear that uh, we did get accepted into one of the uh, one of the premier journals in the dermatology space. Uh, I'm. I, I won't give any more specifics other than that until until it happens, but I think we're confident that that should be out, uh, you know, mid-year this year. And we've presented at a number of the key conferences, medical conferences out there, uh, and uh, we have recordings of those uh, presentations on our uh, on our website. We have a lot of useful, good information on our website, and we also have just for for the listeners, we also have a specific hybrid. Uh, website as well, uh, where you could access and get an update on the drug, uh, some of those recordings, and as you would imagine, that's uh, highbright.com, H-Y-B-R-Y-T-E.com. Okay. And then are these all developed in-house or acquired or licensed, or how do they come about? Uh, all in licensing uh, from either uh, academic institutions or small biotech companies. Hybrid in particular, we brought in from a, a small private biotech company. But we do all of the development in-house ourselves. We have a core team of individuals that some of them I worked with for many, many years that uh, we've developed successfully a number of therapies, and we're looking to do it again here at Sologenics. 
And uh, we make sure that we're managing the oversight of all the key functional areas, whether it's clinical, whether it's preclinical, whether it's regulatory affairs or interactions with the FDA, whether it's manufacturing. We make sure we have a person, an expert, that if they're not directly involved with it, they're managing our outside contractors so that we have our best interests in mind. So what's the runway look like, cash and cash burn? Yes, we just put out our earnings last Friday, uh, our first quarter uh, uh, earnings release, and we roughly have $23 million, which takes us uh, into uh, mid-2023. Our cash burn of the first quarter was, uh, was $3.2 million. So a, when you think about our pipeline late stage, a relatively modest quarterly cash burn uh, for a company of our size, and that is in part due to some of that non-dilutive funding that we're very aggressive in, in obtaining to help offset our burn. So it really gives us a nice runway. There's not a need for, uh, for any capital raises uh, you know, anytime soon, and uh, it puts us in a good position to focus on the task at hand, especially uh, with, uh, with these, these current market conditions for biotech. And then XUS, the strategy is to partner for other countries, is that correct? Correct. Uh, our focus there is, is, is to partner uh, XUS uh, and uh, uh, to really expand worldwide use here. Are you in any active talks for that? Uh, we're always talking, I'll say that. Uh, and uh, so uh, that, uh, that is an ongoing process, uh, not only with our current uh, programs and, and pipeline, but also looking at, uh, at technology uh, from other, other private companies or, or, or others that may have a technology that fits nicely into our pipeline. As you would imagine, with something like Hybrite for cutaneous T-cell lymphoma, as we build that commercial unit going into 2023, it would be nice to have products that come behind that in the oncology dermatology space. So we have a focus there, although our specialty uh, internally is really developing a number of different therapies in oncology, other areas that are orphan disease. Uh, and uh, so we're looking, uh, we're looking at uh, a number of uh, potential technologies that would, uh, that would be synergistic with what we're doing and really be able to, to grow the company and build shareholder value. So what have I failed to ask you that you'd really like for um, potential investors to know? You know, Jeff, I, as, as you can see sometimes, you ask one question and I can go on. But uh, uh, we've really covered all of the key elements. I think the, the, you know, the, in summation, if I could, is that we have a, a lot of catalysts across our pipeline. Uh, it is robust a lot due to some of that government funding, and it really allows for multiple near-term catalysts uh, as soon as, as, uh, as mid-year to, to later in the year and into 2023. So I think, uh, again, there's a lot of opportunity for growth, uh, a de-risk pipeline, especially with the Hybrite program having gone through clinical studies already. So I think we're positioned nicely and, uh, uh, you know, to, for, that, uh, for that significant growth in the future as we check off some of these near-term milestones. Chris, any other events or milestones that, that we should look for as, as we follow the company over the next year? 
you know, there's one other near-term milestone, uh, and this is in our, our public filings, our Q&K. It relates to our rice and toxin vaccine, Rivax, in the public health solutions business segment. We are going through an arbitration process with Emergent Biosolutions, a very well-known in the biodefense uh, arena. And Emergent was the manufacturer of our drug substance, our active drug substance in Rivax. And uh, things occurred that uh, we were not very pleased with, uh, with regard to Emergent. And so we're going through and have gone to arbitration with them. And uh, that outcome is, uh, is, is fast approaching. Uh, we expect uh, to hear uh, the... Uh, uh, the outcome of the arbitration panel probably uh, before the end or by the end of July, and that has the potential to uh, be significant from a a non dilutive government or I should say non dilutive funding source. Uh, we say in our filings that we are going to arbitration and pursuing in excess of nineteen million dollars uh, from emergent for things that had transpired uh, at their contract manufacturing facility. And uh, we believe we, uh, we have a very good case. Obviously, you don't know to the outcome. We can get nothing or we can get something uh, that has the potential to be more significant. So uh, we're continuing to pursue that. But as I said, that's a, another near-term milestone that uh, when we talk about cash runway uh, could extend our cash runway if we're awarded something uh, that much more. So. I would view that, especially in today's environment and market, as another important near-term milestone. Very good. It sounds like we caught you at a very interesting time. Well, thanks again uh, for sharing the Sologenic story. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you.